0: This is episode number 310 with Ankur Nagpal of The Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a
1: thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now, 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Huffington Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast, the founder podcast.
0: What's going on Founder Fam? Hope you are doing okay and well during this crazy time. My name is Nathan Chan, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of this show. So if you are new, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and really break down and distill their experiences, lessons learned on what it takes to build and grow a successful business So let's talk about today's guest, Ankur Nagpal, founder and CEO of Teachable. Now, if you do want to create an online course, you have probably heard of this software called Teachable. It is the leading platform to really, you know, host your online course, sell your online course. And uh, yeah, it's an incredible platform. I'm lucky enough to call Ankur a good friend and... uh, Every time I go to New York, uh, we catch up, we have beers, we have a good time and he's someone I've learned a lot about entrepreneurship from and today I've asked him on because he has a really, really interesting insight onto what it takes to start and grow and launch a successful course and really build a business around I guess monetizing your knowledge and and becoming a uh, what Uncle would say a, a online course creator um, and really how you can turn your passion into a profitable online course. So um, if you do not know, you know, Teachable have over fifty thousand creators, and uh, you know he sees the ins and outs of like what the top performers are doing. And it's quite fascinating because he's really going to break it down. Um, Now, also guys, if you do want to learn how to create your own online course, or you do have an audience that you want to serve via an online course, or, you know, monetize your knowledge in any way, shape or form. We've been doing this for quite some time now at founder Um, across our team. We've produced over a hundred plus online courses and it's a big part of our business now. And, At Founder, we are producing tons of different courses all around how to start and grow a successful business. And one of the only products we don't have in our suite is how to create an online course. Uh, So we actually have a program. I was kind of nervous to share this, but we've created a program kind of sharing everything that we do, how we do it, and uh, really, you know, how, how we've been able to really build a big online education platform. So if you would like to know more Just go to founder.com forward slash course creation dash masterclass. That's founder.com forward slash course creation dash masterclass where, you know, I I break down all the things that we've learned and uh, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy that free training. All right, guys, uh, that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. Otherwise, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. For those uh, that are not familiar with yourself or Teachable, um, uh, first question is uh, how would you get your job? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so Teachable has been around basically six years. Uh, and what Teachable does is we help people create and sell online classes uh, if you have an idea, if you have any kind of expertise or, or passion, we help you convert it to an online course. So we help at this point, close to 50,000 creators reach over 30 million people selling information online.
0: Yeah, wow. And uh, when did you start the company? It's
2: uh, So we started the company six years ago. And it was interesting because while I knew I wanted to build a startup at the time, I had my own course. Um, on Udemy, and I was teaching a little bit in person. And it just, I knew, like, I was excited by the idea of courses, but something was missing sort of in the platforms at the time. So built this almost as like this little side project with a buddy of mine, um, without like, obviously, at some level, we hoped it could become a bigger thing. But in my wildest dreams, I never imagined six years later, here we would be with like 150 employees kind of running this, like, grown-up adult business, so.
0: Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. You've had uh, incredible success, and, uh, yeah, look, um, we've known each other for a few years now, probably, yeah. like, how like three years, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, like, the best three, best three years of my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. we've had a fair few drinks, got loose together, man, yeah. have yeah. good stories we probably yep. can't talk about on this oh, particular awesome. show, yeah. maybe one day. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, look, I really want to sit down and talk with you around kind of the state of the market, online education, and what's your take? What are you seeing? What are you what you are seeing is working. Like I know it's super hot. Um, we rank on Google for how to create an online course. We're like number three. I think we're just behind you guys. Yeah. And we've seen that like spike up big time. So there's a lot of interest here. A lot of people yeah. want to uh, you know, start their own course or use it as a form of. I guess starting a second income, perhaps, or as an alternative uh, to their day job, or like, yeah. So I'd love to hear your take. Like, how, like, what are you seeing, first of all, from the state of the market on your side?
2: Yep, absolutely. I think a good, a good kind of proxy for the state of the market is investor interest. Like, I remember six years ago when we were raising money, every investor was like, go, like, you know, like, I think you're, I can totally see this being a, Good business, but like really like it's such a tiny market. I mean, even if you succeed, you're building a $20 million company. Fast forward to like six months ago, where Andreessen Horowitz wrote sort of a blog post about how the passion economy is a new big thing. And all of a sudden now every single investor has so much FOMO for like the online education, the online course space. Everyone finally, like six years later, is like, holy like this is massive. How did we miss this unfolding in front of our eyes? And I think that's sort of what's happening where whereby this industry that people thought was small has already gotten very big, and it's growing at a frightening pace. I mean, just, just our numbers. I mean, you know, we did, close, we did over $250 million last year in total sales. We think we'll do half a billion dollars this year. And as much as I love us, we're just one small part of this market. Um, and this market is growing rapidly for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, one, you have the whole collapse of the full-time job economy where you have all these people who for whatever reason, are less reliant on a single source of income that now are finding online courses as a great way to set up a side business. Uh, the second thing is the growth of the creator economy, which I'm sure you're seeing too. You all of a sudden have people who built audiences on Instagram, on YouTube, on podcasts. Um, but now it's come time to monetize this audience. And online courses of selling information directly, we've found is easily the most efficient and profitable way of monetizing your audience. So that whole wave is happening. And the third thing that completes this whole kind of circle is traditional education is becoming less of a default and a go-to. And very often people are realizing there are alternative ways of replacing what you would get with traditional education. So the combination of these three factors has the whole online course industry sort of egg like growing super, super fast. And then you add the pandemic on top of that. Um, And yeah, it's it's been a wild few months for this entire industry.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think um, there's been a certain level of market adoption where people don't tend to, like, there's a certain kind, for a long time, there's been a certain kind of person that, that purchases an online course. And I think more than ever now, people are really opening up that idea that, okay, to, if I want to learn online, like, yep. a course. Yep. Yeah.
2: So that's interesting, because when the whole, when the whole lockdown started, and At least in America, a lot of people started losing their jobs, 30 million at latest count. We internally forecast our core sales to start dropping pretty heavily because consumer spending started coming down. Interestingly, we've seen the opposite where our core sales have gone up. And to be honest, I'm not even exactly sure why. And internally, we still think it might come down as consumer spending slows down. But the best theory we have internally is maybe online courses are the cheaper version of some more expensive purchase. Therefore, it's not the purchase getting cut. Like very often an online $100 or $200 or a $500 online course is a cheaper version of like a $10,000, $20,000 in-person training program. Or alternatively, an online course is a path to a better life and it's a relatively cheap path to a better life. Those are our theories, but we've seen our daily sales continue to grow despite consumer spending in America being down massively. So it's been interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, no, that is interesting. So um, you you—you you would see a lot of interesting uh, data. You would see what's working. You would speak to your top users. I'm sure people would be dying to know like what is working like amongst, you know, the top 1% of users that use Teachable uh, and creators, like what are the things, like what does it take to create, let's just say, you know, a full-time income from a course business?
2: Yep. A few different things, right? One is audience. Like, like most successful creators have at least one channel that they've used successfully to build an audience. Um, it could be Instagram, it could be YouTube, it could be writing, it could be a blog, it could be Twitter. There's a million different ways. Uh, one of them isn't necessarily better than others, but they all sort of build an audience somewhere. Step two is they learn how to take that audience and convert it to an email list for whatever reason as great as a million instagram followers and whatever is the point of sale for most successful creators is still email so you you know grow your instagram grow your youtube capture email addresses um and figure that out the third thing is what we call the sort of like transformation but it's really like what is the outcome your course provides having a very clear outcome that people can get so an example would be like how to launch a podcast in 30 days but like some very specific thing that resonates with that audience. The fourth thing is the offer, like which is sort of like what like which is the combination of like how much you're charging, what what someone can buy and like how you structure that is. And we can talk more about you know how they're on a launch and so forth, but getting the offer right. And you do these things, you're in the top one percent. And if your question is what separates the like the, within the 1%, what is the difference between like the very best and the people underneath that? Um, are you familiar with how the net promoter score works just for like products and stuff?
0: Of course, we have net promoter yeah. scores for all of our courses. So
2: it's something that, again, I haven't developed this idea a ton, but it's almost like what we think the course net promoter score is what is what distinguishes people within the 1%. Like The very, very, very best courses are the ones that When someone takes a course, they get results. And when they get results, they can't stop talking about it. So that's sort of like, it's not fully a viral coefficient, but that sort of course NPS or whatever to me is the ultimate differentiator between the very best. What that means is you can still be as good as 99% without even your course being amazing, which is kind of depressing when you think about it. But if within the 1%, you want to be like the top of that, it's delivering an amazing product that gets people actual results.
0: Um, So yeah. And when you, we'll definitely talk about offers. We'll definitely talk about launch and stuff like that. But when it comes to kind of you know creating a great course and you know looking at it from a, a perspective of getting that transformation, like, is it is it length of videos? Is it amount of videos? Is it like what what like what considers like a good course? Like yep. what are pe- What's best practice there?
2: Yep. Uh, so length is largely irrelevant, but it's a very common trap novice course creators fall into where like they feel like the more information you pack into a course the more valuable it is but ultimately we found that with a course people are buying an outcome they're buying a transformation like if you think of the cheesy fitness commercials or the fitness pictures they have like the before and after they have like the tubby hairy dude then like six-pack abs or whatever think about your course as like getting people the six-pack abs whatever it is for the topic um, and if you can take someone there faster, that is a benefit. Like they're willing to pay you for that. Cause if, if you want to mess around and waste hours of your life, there's tons of free information. Your course gets people results faster. So as a result, um, amount of video doesn't matter. The other thing we find with courses is people don't linearly consume a course the way you would consume a book where you read it cover to cover people dive in and out of topics. They skip stuff. They like talk, They look at the things that are most relevant to them. So I wouldn't really focus on length, ultimately, I would focus on like, what we tell people is build a quick and dirty version, or either do coaching, do something where you take people through this method in some quick way, find out what works, and then sort of make it a, you know, a legitimate, like, good online course that looks good and so forth. And that is one thing that we're starting to see matter, which historically did not matter is like two years ago, three years ago, all the top courses kind of had video that could look dodgy. It didn't matter at all. But now we're seeing production quality increase. And now the really good courses also started looking good. So that's one change we've been
0: seeing lately. Mm, That's interesting. Um, But if you were just to get started, though, you could still shoot it from like your phone or like if you want to do screen share or like a a slide.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and that's, uh, that's what we recommend for your first course. I mean, your iPhone, even an iPhone right now is an incredibly powerful video recording tool. Um, so for your first course, you recommend like, even, like, even if you're say using an iPhone, like uh, just because video looking good does not have to mean video has to be expensive, right? There's a lot of like, just the way you use lighting, the way you set things up. Um, if you can focus on video that looks somewhat decent for your first course, and just ensuring getting people results that's all that matters and then maybe when it's time for your second or third course your bigger launch that's when you can think about a way of like elevating the video quality um early on all that matters is are people taking your course and getting results are they getting the transformation are they getting the outcome that you're promising and beyond that like you, that's all you need to scale a business
0: yeah so um when it comes to kind of building the audience piece and when it comes to launch and stuff like that, how big uh should people be aiming in terms of list size
2: so very roughly, we say you can pretty conservatively convert two percent of your list so it's all it all can work out to simple math and I'm gonna embarrass myself I not going to be able to do the math in my head but theoretically like let's say let's say you have a thousand person list and you can get two percent to buy that's twenty sales. And if you do it at 300 bucks each, that's a $6,000 launch. So that's a pretty good first launch. Um, 300 buck course, which is like a good starting point, $6,000 for a thousand person list. So those are the sort of numbers you can tweak the, you can tweak the variables and figure out based on your goals, how big a list you need. But in my mind, most people can get to a thousand person list in, you know, let's call it one to three months. and again, I've seen people get there in days. I just want to set something realistic, um, and then have a you know six thousand dollar launch at a three hundred dollar price point, and accordingly tweak the variables based on what their goals are.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then when it comes to kind of the offer, you talked about the offer um, and the launch piece. Like, can we talk more about that offer? Like, um, like how do you know like what's a good offer?
2: Yeah. So the first thing. Actually, let's talk about launch first so that's relevant and then talk about the offer. But one of the things we recommend to people for the first time, and for a lot of people new to online courses, it might be new for someone like you, you're you're an expert, so you know this. Um, But we recommend that instead of having your course available for purchase all the time, you do what in the industry people call a launch. And all that means is the course is only available for sale for a limited period of time. And then you close it so people can't buy it outside of that limited period. And then you work with people inside the course to get them results. And the, there are many reasons we do this. The biggest reason of which is it drives more sales when people have this urgency where they have to buy it now or they can't buy it. Because otherwise people will just kind of wait forever. Um, that's one reason. The second reason is it's very easy to fo- from a focus perspective, either focusing on selling the product or delivering the product. Doing both gets a little bit hard. So, we recommend people do a launch for their first product. Um, and now, the offer itself is like what people are buying and for what price. The first mistake, not mistake, but the first sort of value we've seen people leave on the table is most people are very scared of like charging an appropriate amount. Um, a lot of people tend to discount their own knowledge and their own worth. Um, so, our recommendation for most people is. To take whatever price they have in their, whatever their first instinct is, and double it as like just a good rule of thumb. Like a lot of people are out there trying to sell hundred dollar courses. You know, we try and push down to two, three hundred bucks or something. I think that's a good place to start with your first product. Um, and when you do that, like I think it's normal for you to feel a little bit afraid, like I'm charging too much. Like I think that's a healthy normal feeling upfront. So I would tell people like, you know, feel free to kind of go into that. And I think that that's a good enough price point where you can start to build a somewhat real business off it versus selling, you know, $10 or $20 courses. And network wide on Teachable, we are seeing the average sale price trending upward every quarter. It's about 100 bucks now, which was about $60 four years ago. And it's like very methodically climbing up 5 $6 a quarter at a time. But it's really interesting to see um, in terms of overall data. Why yeah. do you think that is? I think it's the maturity of the space and people getting comfortable charging their worth. Um, I think I think a lot of the cheaper products, like the $10 courses and stuff are kind of happening on Udemy and other lower price marketplaces. But when it comes to like quality products, people are realizing that consumers are willing to pay, especially if it's someone in your audience already. If they're already following you somewhere, you already have a relationship with them. It's not like it's not like you're, they're meeting you or meeting you online for the first time and you're asking them for money right away. They've already been kind of observing you and they know you already. So consequently, they're less price sensitive than someone on a marketplace where you're searching for Python courses and you're looking at whatever's cheapest. So it's a different buying behavior altogether.
0: Because, mm, yeah, I know that that is something you're right that people would get hung, caught up on and hung up on because you look at the Udemy's and you can buy courses 10 20 30 40 50 yep. dollars. and then you know who am i it's my first course yeah. i am not worthy um, yeah H- how do you overcome that
2: that's that's the other thing that's been again like i guess again you're you know this but it blew my mind as to how that was the number one objection people had or the number one kind of limiting belief of like almost an imposter syndrome of like like look like okay, it makes sense that Nathan Chan has a course because he's like baller, but how can I have a course when it is Nathan's course? Like, you know, who am I to teach when like I'm competing against Nathan? Um, but again, that's what's cool about online courses is we found people don't necessarily want to learn from the best person at this. They want to learn from someone who's relatable to them, who has their story, has their struggles. An example I use is like, if you go to masterclass, Steph Curry has a course on like, on like basketball, but dude, I would like much rather take a course from like a five ten skinny Indian dude teaching me how to dunk a basketball than Steph Curry, right? Like, I like very often we find like, like you want to have the relatable teacher. Like our top selling programming class was from someone who is actually a bad programmer, but he struggled and self taught himself, and as a result, that was more relatable. I want to learn from that guy because like that's how I feel. Not necessarily like the professor that's so many steps ahead.
0: Yeah, that is a big limiting belief. That's why I asked you that question because I know that people go through that, and um, you know, it's something that I've actually personally gone through as well myself. Like, you know, we've got a couple of courses at Founder that I teach, but our big thing has actually been tapping into getting other people to teach, yeah. Yeah. which I think has has allowed us to build a really scalable products um, as you know as a platform. But um, I'm curious as well when it comes to that expertise like yep. how how do you like i i know it's a mindset thing but how do you know that you're truly qualified in some way shape or form
2: ultimately it comes down to can you get people results but here's the thing we teach all the time as humans like it might be to our sibling it might be to like people around us i mean think about it right like let's imagine let's imagine you have a child next year nathan no pressure on you or emily or anything <laughs> But what are you going to do? You're going to ask your buddies that had kids recently, right? I mean, you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about it as an online course, but your buddy who's had a a, a baby recently, by default, starts teaching you. And we do this in our lives. Always. We do this with younger siblings. We do this with the people around us. We do this in the job. We're always teaching people. So to me, it's like a natural extension of that. Um, Now, it depends on like, do you want to teach, you know, a million people or a thousand people or 10 people. But I think all of us possesses something that we can teach like 10 to a hundred people. And we are the best teacher for them by virtue of either like being close to them, connecting with them, having that special relationship or like, so I do think like, I literally do think like, it's not just marketing spiel, but like all of us can be a teacher because we already are. We, We just don't think of it that way.
0: You know, that's a really good point. Um, I never thought of it like that, but yeah. Um, so one thing I'm curious around, and I want to get into more kind of advanced stuff is like, you see a lot people would people, a lot of people watching this would see a lot of stuff online, like how people are making millions of dollars selling courses, all these different things. Um, and, and I'm sure like, you know, you, you would have top creators that make over a million dollars a year selling online courses. Um, what does it take to do that? Like to do those kinds of numbers, what, from your perspective, what does it take? Is it the concept of evergreen selling on, on, you know, or with automated webinars? Is it, um, is it having 20 different courses and having one launch every month? Like what, what, what does it take? Because I think there's a lot of rubbish out there and you have an, a, a, like a direct insider knowledge of what does it take?
2: So that's, that's one thing that's been really fun to see. I won't name names, obviously, but it's really interesting to see a lot of people's marketing about the millions of dollars they've made on their courses and then see their actual sales. And anyways, uh, but with that said, so look, at this point, we have, I think, a little bit over 100 people that have made a million dollars on Teachable. Um, this is lifetime, not over a year, but still super impressive. And there's not really one time Like there's people who've done it with evergreen courses, people have done it with like launch courses, people have done it with like a mix of both, there's people who've done it with a high price. The best practices we've shared sort of higher prices than low prices is definitely like, like, yes, you can make a million dollars selling $20 courses, but most people are in the, at least mid hundreds of dollars at that level. I think the average price point for the top sellers last time we checked was $374. And that is per sale, not per course. So if you sell a payment plan, that only counts the value of the first payment plan. So small technicality, but like, all it needs is in reality, the number is even higher. Um, So that's one thing, they all kind of do that. The other thing is longevity. They've all like, there's very few people that get to a million dollars right away, but you put at it long enough and you will get to a million dollars, which I know sounds obvious, but a lot of times it's just like resilience and sticking with it. and yeah, I mean, like outside of that, like again, like it's, I don't think the million dollar number is any more significant as much as like once you let's say get to a hundred thousand or so, at that point you probably have a million dollar business. It's just a case of doing whatever you're doing ten x more. Whether you get a hundred thousand, I think is the harder thing. Hundred thousand, it's just like just you know sell ten times more courses or charge a little bit more and sell you know five times more courses.
0: Yeah, I see. And what about audience size? kind of like what building email lists all that side of things like um what's required there
2: so i mean obviously you need to like find your audience channel that is working for you and there's i've seen every single thing work but you need one thing to work and the one again the things that could work are on one end of the spectrum it's like youtube instagram and stuff like big social networks in the middle is sort of putting in more work on audience building on a channel that you own. It could be a blog, could be a podcast, could be something like that. The third thing is, and if this works, this is both the best and worst. The best because it can scale, the worst because you can lose a bunch of money figuring it out is paid marketing. So you you have these sort of three buckets. You can honestly any one of them is good enough, but you need one of them to work. When people get super advanced, they start doing, they start having one out of each of the three buckets. So maybe they have like a big presence. I guess your business is a great example. You have a big presence on like, in, on social networks. You don't own Instagram. You have your own assets like your podcast and your website, and then you also have paid to be an amplifier. So if you want to like you know really truly think about a not just a million dollar business but a ten million dollar business, you can think about one from each of these three buckets. But initially, like just any one of these three things working could be a good start. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on what you enjoy doing. Like a good friend of mine, like name is David. He like uses Twitter and writing because he likes writing. Like in another life, he would be a writer. Um, Another friend of mine, like she's great. Like she's a very visual person for her. Instagram was like super easy to make her platform. Um, So it's also like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's important to also have fun with what you're doing. So like, don't try and master every single social network. You don't need to be everywhere find the one that you kind of find a little bit fun anyways, and you would do no matter what. Um, It could be podcasting if you like want to establish great relationships and like, you know, meet other cool people. So find your channel kind of plug away at it. You don't have to be everywhere, but to build a million dollar business, you certainly need one of them to start taking off.
0: And then what about um, kind of, I guess, when you create your next course, should you only focus on one course or should you have many courses Focus is key, right?
2: Focus is key, but what's also important is listen to the people, right? Like listen to the people, like listen to what they want from you, Um, whether it's through surveys or whether it's just talking to people in your audience, like, like the simple, again, it sounds super basic, but when you have an audience, a simple act of asking them what they will buy from you will ultimately net you more money. And at times they will say, hey, that course you have, would love if you did an updated version of that course and in other cases it might be another product but again what a lot of great creators have done is they have started to form a mini brand around what you can consider their signature product which is like the one thing they do and then they start making a lot of their revenue from there and that becomes their core focus and it becomes their brand almost so another example is there's a creator who we work with his name is Tiago. He built his signature course called "Build a Second Brain." It's about, you know, like note taking and, like, build, ultimately how do you like scale, scale your knowledge, and scaling your brain. It's super interesting. But at this point, that brand has become so powerful that no matter what he does, he's gonna make less money than him relaunching the course repeatedly. And that's the dream, right? Um, for other people, it's sort of been the more like approach of having lots of little courses and so forth. If you do go down a signature course path, I highly recommend continually making your course more expensive. Like Tiago used to sell that course at $300. I think most recently he sold it at a 1000 bucks and my guess is it'll eventually go up to $2000. And that's great for two reasons. I mean, one, you get people to take a chance on you earlier get it for a cheaper price. The second thing is your course keeps getting better, so you're charging more for it makes sense. The th- and it finally trains people to buy your course whenever you sell it, because they know anytime you're selling it, this is the best possible price and it'll only get more expensive in the future.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Look, you look from my experience, uh, it depends on the price point. Um, some courses depending on the tr- level of transformation or the level of work required. Um, yeah. Different price points work, but, Definitely, yeah. Look, the higher the price point, from my experience, um, the more revenue you can generate as a business. Um, But there's also ceilings and you can sell less at a higher price point as well.
2: Yep. And I think the idea of like, again, you don't want to start super low, but the idea of like continually increasing your prices gets you the best of both worlds, where when you're establishing yourself, you get more of an audience and eventually you can keep turning on the monetization lever higher and higher.
0: You talked about kind of the signature product. Should people look or focus on a niche or market to serve and just focus on that particular niche or market, i.e., uh, let's just say as an example, uh, you want to be in the keto space and then you just focus on that particular market or I want to be in the fitness space or like, yeah, what is your take there?
2: Yeah, I'm a firm believer on like, if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Um, and, and people tend to underestimate things that are niches can actually end up being substantial businesses. Another great example is one of our top selling uh, creators of all time teaches Facebook ads for fiction authors, right? You would think it's like highly specific, uh, but it's a massive, massive, massive business. And you know why? Because if you're a fiction author, that's like, wondering about marketing like that course is the single most recommended product in the world so no matter what your niche is like if you can figure out yes could you teach a facebook ads for all marketers course absolutely but i would venture that he would actually do less well than sort of finding your very specific audience on um, and serving them especially if like most of these most niches are big enough on the internet so
0: yeah well, wow, that's really interesting man um yep. So yeah, that's super niche. It's
2: a massive, massive, massive business. But think about it, right? There's like a million people on the Kindle store. The internet, like things that we consider niche because how many Kindle authors or book authors do you or I know in my entire life? I might know three out of like the thousands of people I know, but multiply that by a billion people, billions of people on the internet. Every one of these things is actually a really large market. So I think I think it makes a lot of sense to sort of niche down early and then eventually you can almost broaden who you're talking to but if if you were to like st- start out with like a facebook ads course you're competing with every other facebook ads course if i facebook ads if i were to have a facebook ads for chinese australian podcast host no i'm just kidding but <laughs> 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 yeah uh but like yeah again if you talk to a specific audience i think that that really helps
0: yeah okay um What about kind of, um, you talked about surveying and speaking to your community or audience. I think that's really smart. Um, Pre-selling thoughts?
2: I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It depends, right? It depends on on what type of pre-selling you're doing. Are you pre-selling to validate whether you create the course at all? Or are you pre-selling before you deliver the product? They're both different. Pre-selling to even validate whether to sell the course can sometimes, it's a good idea, but can sometimes be stressful. Like for a lot of people, it's like discomforting to to sell a thing that does not exist at all and potentially refund people. So if, yeah, so I typically have not, like I've seen people do that and I've typically not gone that far. I think if you can build an audience around your topic, people will buy it. I absolutely do think you should sell a course before it's fully developed because I don't know about everyone else, but for me, like, I I work best when there's like massive deadlines in front of me. So that when you sell a course, then you have to like actually start delivering the final product. It actually is highly motivating to me. So I'm a huge fan of like pre-selling before you have the whole thing developed. With that said, I generally like having some part of it developed so you get some kind of balance of like. It's not like there's nothing there, but I am developing the curriculum as people are going along that also allows you to tweak what the product is um as you see how people are responding to it and what they need more help
0: with. Yeah, no, I love that. We we've we've tried and found it like different variations of that. Um what we find from our experience now is just uh we we just can find a bunch of topics and we pre-sell a bunch of topics and then we yeah. see what gets the best take rate because we have such we're we're blessed and cursed because we're we're gonna have hundreds of courses one day, yeah. but at the same time, it's so broad, you know. Yeah. So yeah. We, we just want to know what are the hottest areas and like for example, one of them definitely is Facebook ads, another one is sales funnels, another yep. one is copywriting. So yeah, it is a blessing and a curse, but yeah, you're right. Like it just depends, but definitely you're right. Throwing your hat over the fence, yep. selling the course, then saying, guys, this is when it's going to go live and you give yourself like a week yep. Yep. to do the first yeah. module and then you drip feed it out. Like yep. that
2: works. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. That's how we've done a lot of our stuff.
0: What, what was the first course that you wanted to teach or were teaching on Udemy?
2: So the first course, I and mean, it's embarrassing. I had to contact them to remove it because it, it's like cringeworthy. Um, I like literally, I recorded it with my iPhone headphones and I start the first lecture with like, what up party people? It was, it was not, yeah. And that too, that too was a course on like how to take an HTML website and put it on the app store. Like not the course to start with what up party people. Uh, but yeah, that was like yeah, that was the first course. It basically showed how you could take like a website, convert it to an app. After that, there were courses on mobile marketing, Facebook marketing. It was always around like growth marketing specifically for kind of entrepreneur audience, but it was all based on what I learned running a Facebook app app business prior to this.
0: Yeah, dude, I remember first hearing about you uh Fedora days. Ryan holiday. He, I was on his list and he emailed about, yeah, we're running something from fedora.
2: Yep. 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 Good time. So that was, again, he had a course on growth marketing and he was indirectly invested in our company. So as a special favor, we got him to like, we worked with him to take a copy of his like book and convert it to a course. And that was the old, old, yeah, that was something back in, I think late 2014, actually super early.
0: I remember as well. Um, I bought an offer from you guys in the very, very early days, where it was like, I think it was a buy one get one free. Yep. So, do you remember that offer?
2: Yep. It was a course called Million Dollar Instructor. So, it was. I remember we were still early enough that like our top selling. We only had a few people really making money on our platform. Um, and we were concerned that our sales for November and December weren't going to be very high because we'd had a really good August and September and stuff. So we we're like, why don't we make a course with our top sellers and sell it ourselves because we needed decent sales numbers. So we flew to Berlin where these guys lived and we filmed like their story and how they run their course business. It was our first course on courses. And we did again, that was also later in 2014 um, or 25, it all blends together at this point. Um, but yeah, that's when we ran our first course again, like we look at it now, we're embarrassed by it, but at the time it was still great. It like accelerated our business meaningfully. We found a lot of people weren't ready for our software. They needed training on how to do this. Um, and yeah, we still somewhere in the archives have the million dollar instructor
0: course. Yeah. The dudes were programmers, Asian dudes, right? Yeah. Well, one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Are you surprised I remember all that? Because we haven't yeah, talked about yeah,
2: it. yeah, we haven't talked about this. It's blowing my mind, yeah. Uh, John and Elliot, John and Elliot, we had, yeah, we had, a, we had a great time in Berlin recording this. But yeah, it was the old days of it was the old days of startup life, man. We just you know told the, our we had six people in the company. Two of us were like, hey, by the way, we're gonna we're we're skipping Thanksgiving. We skipped Thanksgiving with family and stuff. Uh, They're like, why? Where are you going? We're like, oh, we're just going to Berlin to record a course with these guys. We'll be back in a few days, and we did that. And we shipped the course two weeks later. So good times.
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. So um, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, but I think this is really, really valuable for people that are thinking about getting into starting a course or looking to start a business like this because it is a very lucrative business model because it's a digital product that you you own 100% of. It's infinitely scalable.
2: And especially when you think about the arbitrage of course is relative to books the same information package as a book is worth $8 for a course it's worth a few hundred dollars and that's insane when you think about it
0: yeah yeah i agree so um i'm curious as well kind of where do you see the future of this industry going um particularly with everything that's happened like you know the pandemic like uh, obviously it's booming right now because a lot of people at home, a lot of people using this opportunity to skill up, you know, people, yep. people that I used to work with hit me up and was like, Oh man, like I'm thinking of doing this. Like, cause now yep. I've got the time. Now I've got yep. the time. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. What, what's your take? What do you, what's your predictions?
2: So a couple of things. One, I think the form factor will likely evolve. Like I think 20 years from now, when we look back in time, what is an online course will realistically look different from what it looks like today, what it will look like. I can't tell you, but I can guarantee it will look very, very different. Um, That's one. The second thing is I genuinely do believe online courses and forget like what we consider online courses today, but just this world, we are literally like, if you're, I don't know if you're like, if you're comparing this to the empire state building where we are today is we've climbed the second or third floor. There's so much growth to go we're so, so early because this is like, yeah, taking one step back, right? Like our entire civilization right now, like we went, we used to live in a world where like entrepreneurship was like selling physical items. And we're finally transitioning to the digital age where like the most valuable things you can sell is knowledge and information. And thus far, we used to think about selling knowledge and information as like the schooling system and the education system. But I think it's one step one step like further. Now we're moving to knowledge-based economy. Knowledge and information is the most valuable thing out there. It's the thing we all possess and we all can sell. And this sort of like future of us like selling knowledge and information, I think it is how everyone or the majority of the world will make a living in the future. So I think from that sense, like all these things now, like it's cool and interesting, but like it's the ground floor, like it's nowhere but up from here. Um, even though the specific form factors, I'm sure, will evolve and change, you know, as we develop crazy new technologies, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, tools besides uh, using Teachable to get set up, yep. uh, to you know, start your course. What other tools do people need to consider using?
2: Uh I mean, look, there are specialized tools for everything. My advice to people is to like in general, not get too hung up on the technology part of things, especially until you get to the stage of scaling a business. I think tooling can become really important to try and go from like you know your first ten thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars. but up front, like I would not spend a ton of time on tools. I mean, you can do again, most things are teachable from a delivery perspective um like. Eventually you'll probably want to figure out an email autoresponder, how to run email funnels. But again, up front, you could potentially even skip it. And later on, you can sort of work that in. Um, We work a bunch with ConvertKit, but frankly there's a ton of other tools too. So I don't think you can go super wrong with it. My advice is generally like don't overcomplicate it up front, but I don't know what works for you.
0: Yeah. MailChimp, um, they allow i think free for the first a thousand or two thousand yep. subscribers
2: yep that's that could that works totally totally fine so i think up front too many people i see get too fancy with tooling before sort of getting making their first sales
0: yeah 110 percent. because because they're, they're sexy yeah it's
2: it's fun it's it's fun right it can be like almost a distraction so
0: okay and um Look, uh, you know, you, you recently had some uh, really exciting news um, around kind of the, the acquisition um, with uh, Hotmart. Uh, yep. What's exciting for you right now? Now you guys yeah. have merged.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biases most people have, you probably don't because being in Australia, it's different. But at least in America, a Bias a lot of people have is they think of America as the center of the world, which I mean, in some ways it is, but it's also a big world out there. Um, So, when we got acquired by Hotmart and running the companies together, our vision is to take what Teachable is doing, but build a truly global business out of it. Like Hotmart is about three times our size in Latin America. Now, you add in our volume, all of a sudden, we're this massive online education company. And over the next couple of years, we'll be thinking about how can we, you know, excluding China which is a really hard market how can we take it to every other market out there and build a truly international company doing this like so this move for us is all about internet about like yeah internationalization and i'm super super excited for sort of what this can develop whether this goes public or not there's a lot to be determined but like in my mind again i'm very biased but by virtue of this transaction we've created the most significant business in online education Um, And as much as I love running my own company, like that was sort of the trade-off, right? Like, are you willing to give up control to build the most significant business in online education? And the answer for me was a resounding yes. So super excited to see how that develops. Um, I think it also gives us a lot more resources that we can put straight back into improving our product, which I think when you think about this industry five years from now, the best product will win. So yeah, super excited.
0: Yeah, look, um, before we wrap there, I want to talk about that because that's one thing, um, you know, I actually have learned from you because you got, you're very, uh, you know, San Fran, Silicon Valley inspired. Yeah. And, uh, that can either uh, be a compliment or an insult. So, but I'll take it. No, no, it's, it's a compliment. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. because you know, like I interview a lot of dudes out, like a lot, not dudes, but girls as well. Um, <laughs> like a lot of successful founders that or yeah. cool. Like, you know, tech, Tech founders out of San Fran yeah. and that's the big thing. It's it's the obsession with the product. The best yeah. the best product wins. You're you're pro product versus marketing, right? Yep,
2: yep. Yep. I mean again it 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 but it depends on who's asking. Like compared to, to the online marketing industry, yes, compared to the typical tech startup, we're all marketing and no product, like on the entire spectrum. But why? It's because I do believe on a long enough on long term basis, like product, the best product will will win. Um, and especially if you want to build a scalable business, like, I think a great example is like, I think Shopify is like the master of all, all examples when it comes to like the power of product. I mean, they built a better product in a really big market. And even now they're growing insanely fast, 16 years later, they've just become one of the, they're now the most valuable business in Canada, like period, bigger than any Canadian bank that's been around for hundreds of years. Um, and examples like that show the power of product. At the same time, I am further along than Silicon Valley purists that don't believe in marketing. like we're still like we still hustle and you know kind of try and make growth happen. But to me, product is a prerequisite on which you build growth. Like if you again, don't want to name names, there's some companies that have built these massive like growth machines on a weak foundation, and it's like a house of cards. like one thing can fall and the whole thing can come tumbling down. So to me, product is a is the bedrock of everything
0: yeah no well look thanks for sharing man well look um last question where's the best place people can find out more about yourself teachable and your work i know you started a fund looking to invest in yep. companies yep. how can yep. people get in touch with you, yep. uh, you want yeah, deal maybe. Flow or maybe not deal
2: flow. deal flow yeah absolutely um so i mean teachable upfront is easy teachable.com we're teachable on every social media platform um i'm on twitter It's probably the best way of finding me. I'm also on Instagram, Nathan's working to get me verified, so I'll be a big
0: deal pretty soon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding.
2: Uh, but yeah, all the regular, all the regular social channels are great, and we're at teachable.com.
0: Okay, and what's your Twitter?
2: Uh it's my full name: Ankur Nagpal. A N K U R N A G P A L.
0: Awesome. Well, look, man, thanks so much for taking the time, bro. It's awesome to catch up, yep. and uh, yeah, this is an awesome interview. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me
1: founders entrepreneurs influencers disruptors we feature hundreds of in-depth case studies with the greatest business minds of our current generation building a business is hard the founder mission is to help you create an ass-kicking business and help you learn straight from the mouths of world-class founders get your free printed edition of founder magazine featuring sir richard branson just cover shipping and handling at founder.com forward slash branson that's F-O-U-N-D-R.com forward slash Branson.